0: The city boy. Give him your best and nothing like the rest. Every test. You know he's the one. yeah man we're blessed of the Lord to be able to be here another Sunday morning to be able to worship together uh, it's good to see you all uh, those of you that are joining us streaming um, our City Point diaspora our City Point family all over the, uh, the country welcome thank you for streaming with us today. Uh, I want to continue in our series of preaching uh, around uh, this question, is church still relevant? And so uh, in looking at that question, as I talked about last week, uh, just kind of going into this Christmas season of preaching, I recognize or feel that there are some other, I guess, bigger, deeper questions that uh, should be explored uh, around how we feel about the Lord's church. As we get ready to celebrate the Lord's birth, the question is, how we feel about the Lord's church. Uh, Do we feel that it continues to play a relevant role in society? And so I wanted to spend a few weeks uh, digging around that question. And last week, we kicked it off and um, said that, yes, the church is still relevant, one, because it is a relevant place for community. Uh, It always has been, and it continues to be today, a relevant place for us to connect with one another, build meaningful relationships with each other. And so this week, we're looking at Um, the church being a relevant place for cultivation. And we'll be looking once again at Acts chapter 2 verses uh, 42 through 47, Uh, excuse me, just uh, verse 42. It says, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for giving me this chance to preach to these your people today. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will preach through me in a way that is uh, real and relevant, in a way that is impactful. I pray that you will use me in your service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was raised there, baptized there, and married there, the church. It's where I have been built up when I was at points that were my lowest. It is where I was introduced to the God who made me And also, the Christ who saved me. It's the church. It is where I learn to be generous, it's where I learn to serve other people, it is where I learn the meaning of love. The church. It is often criticized. It is often maligned. It is often caricatured through the Hollywood depictions of demagoguery and bombast. Some of the critics' points are well taken. I would even say some of the critics' points are spot on. But the church, I would also argue, has helped billions, even though it has hurt millions. It's the church. It helped sanction American slavery And it also helped abolish American slavery. It it simultaneously, the church, helped validate Jim Crow, and it marched and it organized to eradicate Jim Crow. It, It stood behind as well as against a man claiming to want to make America great again. It is the church. Homeless people sleep there. Wounded people heal there. Lost people are found there. Depressed people find joy there. Hungry people eat there. Exploited people find refuge there. Broken people are made whole there. And sinners are saved there. The church. Like a South Side street gang, it was founded on the death of its leader. But but the difference is that this death was followed by a resurrection, as the old preachers would say, early one Sunday morning. And for 2,000 years, people have been assembling themselves in groups testifying about this resurrection and celebrating this resurrection and living their lives in light of this resurrection. So today I want to talk for a few minutes about the church about the institution, and I want to respond to the question today regarding whether or not it is still relevant. I want to say unequivocally and emphatically to that question, yes, the church is indeed still relevant. I shared last week that one of the reasons is because it is a relevant place for community. I want us to look at this week the fact that it is a relevant place for cultivation when we look at the context of Acts chapter 2, we have to recognize that verse 42, which is the verse that I read in your hearing today, uh, comes on the heels of that famous sermon that Peter preached at Pentecost. It is, Pentecost is a Jewish festival that, that they celebrated. It is also known as the Feast of Weeks, and it comes 50 days after the first day of Passover. Uh, hence, the first word, part of that word penta, which is from that Latin word meaning five, like that word pentagon, meaning five sides. And, and so it is 50 days after the first day of the Passover that the Jews from all over the Jewish diaspora have come to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. And, and so it happens that there is this major religious moment that breaks out all of a sudden during Pentecost. They're a bunch of Christians. Luke says that they are all together in one place. These are followers of Jesus Christ. Keep in mind that it has only been about 10 days since Jesus ascended to heaven. It is these Christians that are in Jerusalem that have been instructed by Jesus that they are to wait until they receive the Holy Spirit before they leave Jerusalem. So it is there in Jerusalem, Pentecost is happening, and all of a sudden the Bible says that these Jesus followers who are Jews are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they start speaking in other tongues or literally in other languages. This is relevant because there are Jews from all over the Jewish diaspora, and they speak different languages and different dialects, and so they say that they can hear people testifying about the wonders of God in their own languages they are perplexed by this they are confused by this because they say that these are just uneducated Galileans how in the world did they all all how do how in the world did they all of a sudden become multilingual we're all able to hear them in our own language Luke says that some mock them and say that they are just drunk But then Peter steps up in chapter 2, verse 15, and says, "Nah, they ain't drunk because it's too early. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning, Peter says. Peter says, Instead, what you are witnessing is what the prophet Joel wrote about. From there, Peter goes on to start quoting the prophet Joel in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. The sun, verse 20, will be changed into darkness and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, Peter gives this scripture and he gives a few more scriptures. And then Peter says, uh, Peter goes on from there to start explaining the story of Jesus. And he connects Jesus back to the prophecies that they understood in the Old Testament to explain to them that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Question comes out, what shall we do or what must we do? And Peter replies to them, y'all need to change your hearts and your lives and be baptized to be saved. The word says in verse 41 that those who accepted Peter's message were baptized and that God brought about 3,000 people into the community on that day. Right after that verse, verse 41, where it says they responded to Peter's message Three thousand got saved that day. Comes verse forty-two, our verse for today. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. So essentially, these three thousand new converts, plus the Christians that had already become Christians that were Jesus followers, keeping in mind they are only they are only about. Uh, 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 a few weeks away removed from Jesus's resurrection. What, What Luke explains here is that these Christians are coming together. They are devoting themselves to the apostles doctrine because they are needing to know what they are to believe, how they are to reconcile these new beliefs with their old beliefs. And most importantly, how in the world should this all manifest in my day to day life? So again, essentially what is happening is these, there are a bunch of people that are new to the faith and they need to know how and what should we believe and how should we behave. Let me say to you that this has always been an important thing among amongst Christians. Essentially, Christians need people to teach them how to Christian, to teach them the meaning of Jesus, to teach them how to forgive other people and how to forgive themselves. To teach them what is to be believed as a follower of Jesus and then what should not be believed as a follower of Jesus. Christians need people to help them to sort through the religious disinformation and to be able to get at the heart of what's actually true. They need people to teach them how to live day to day in light of the fact that we are quote unquote saved. Yeah, Christians need people to teach them how to Christian. So I want to say to the question, is church still relevant? Yes, it is, because it is a place where learning, or another way to put it, cultivation happens. What we see in Acts is cultivation through three things that I'll share before I take my seat. What we first of all see in Acts is that it is a a place for cultivation through the explanation of Scripture. That's effectively what we saw Peter do in Acts chapter 2. Peter goes on to explain to them through the prophet Joel, um, through, through the prophet Isaiah, uh, he goes on to explain to them that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. That is effectively what I and any other preacher that stands on a Sunday morning or preaches or teaches throughout the week, what we all endeavor to do. It is to explain through scripture who Jesus is and what he means to this movement, how we are to live in light of it. What does it look like to construct Christian living in light of the cross? It is effectively doing what the Ethiopian eunuch from the court of the Queen Candace asked Philip as he read the scroll, the scroll of Isaiah. He, he 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 said to him effectively I get some of what I'm reading but I get caught up on whether or not Isaiah is talking about himself. Or, 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 or somebody else. I am confused when I read some parts of scripture. Effectively, what we do in the church community is what Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch did in this situation. Rely on somebody else who is trained or other people that have had more time in the scriptures to explain them, to help us understand them, to, to help us rightly divide the word of truth. Let me say that despite the detractors, despite those who malign and caricaturize preachers, especially black preachers, let me say that mamas and grandmamas and granddaddies and even you have had your lives impacted and changed and you've been encouraged and brought closer to God through simply their explanation of scripture that has happened in church. Church is where Bible study happens. The church is relevant because it is where small groups happen. It is where community groups happen. It is where people learn the scriptures and have the scriptures explained to them or explore how to live healthy and whole Christian lives in light of the scriptures. Yeah, the church is a relevant place for cultivation. Let me say to you secondly that church is, a, is also a place where cultivation happens through the correction of behavior. So, so I, I play a little golf I say that loosely, um, I have clubs, I have balls, I swing at them on grassy fields. That, that's the extent of my game at this point. But, but sometimes I go out to the driving range and I go there to, to work on my swing. And one time when I was there this summer, I noticed a guy in, in the stall next to me with, with his phone out and he placed his phone down on his golf bag and he was recording himself swinging. So I was like, oh, that's how they do it. So the next day when I, when I came uh, back to the, to the driving range, I, I came back to the driving range and I decided that, that I wanted to do the same thing. I, I set my cell phone up, I put it on my, on my golf bag, and I pitched it just right so that it could see me as I took a few swings. And, and, I, and what I realized is that doing this, right, that video helped me correct my swing. The the reason why the video helped me correct my swing is because it helped me see myself. May, May I suggest to you that being around other Christians, being in community with other Christians, hearing the word of God preached and hearing the word taught helps us To see ourselves so we can correct ourselves. In Acts chapter 5, that's essentially what's happening with Ananias and Sapphira. They receive correction from the church by way of the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all know the story. They were trying to cap about a donation that they made to the church. So during this time, a whole lot of people are receiving accolades and celebration because they are so engulfed in what is happening to them through this Christian movement that they are selling all of their possessions. Many of them believe that Jesus is coming back any day now, so none of this stuff even matters anymore. They are selling their possessions, and they are bringing the proceeds, and they are giving them to the apostles, and they are saying, give it to the people who have need. There are many people that have need at this time because becoming a Christian was not akin to what it is today. It is not just deciding on a Sunday morning that I am stirred by the message and I want to join the church. No, uh, becoming a Christian was, uh, was a cultural movement, right? And so becoming a Christian effectively distanced oneself from one's family, from one's community, uh, from the people that one depended on economically. You could lose your job. You could lose the land that you live on as a result of leaving Judaism and becoming a Christian. And so for some people, becoming a Christian meant that they lost everything. It brings new meaning to when Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. To take up a cross nowadays means to put on a necklace. To take on a cross that day meant to put your life and livelihood on the line. And so this is the reason why some Christians are giving of all of their possessions, because there are some other Christians in the church that have lost all their possessions and any means of gaining new possessions. So this is what's happening and folks are being celebrated. And so Ananias and Sapphira, this couple, decide that they're going to sell their stuff. Say they gave everything so that they can get the accolade and the celebration but they just going to give a little piece of it. And so their scheme gets found out. They get corrected about this scheme, long story short. And what happens in this situation is that they receive correction on their behavior because the apostles and the Holy Spirit recognizes that there is a standard that needs to be maintained within this early church movement, lest it go astray and devolve into something that it was never meant to be. Let me say that the church is still that place where we receive correction, where we see ourselves. Sometimes it comes through the preached word. Sometimes it comes from an elder in the church telling us about ourselves. And let me say that we need that nowadays. Nowadays we tend to live in our generational bubbles. Algorithms give us information that it believes we want to hear. And so we live in echo chambers where we receive information from other people who think like we think. And so those thoughts appear to us as the pervasive and dominant and right thoughts. But, but, but church gives us space to step out of those bubbles and into spaces in community with other people who don't exactly think like us. Sometimes with people that are a little bit older than us that have been down the roads that we've been down or are going down, that have lived the life that we are trying to live, that can call us out and that can correct us on our behavior. So cultivation comes through the correction of behavior, but let me share with you thoroughly and finally that it comes through personal testimony. In Acts chapter 22, and this is several times in Acts, we see Paul effectively sharing his testimony. Paul is not running down a whole lot of scriptures, but cultivation begins to happen because he's just sharing his story. Paul is Paul is almost like the like, like the, the person that did five years in jail and found Jesus, who at every family gathering has to share their story about how they used to be and how the Lord changed them and who they are today. That's Paul, like as we see Paul throughout Acts, as we see Paul throughout the epistles, Paul constantly wants to acknowledge the fact. Now, I used to be in these streets. Paul is like, ain't nobody persecuted Christians like I did. I took trips out of town to go harass other Christians. That's how bad I was. That's how in these streets I was. Over and over again, Paul wants to tell that story and he uses it as a segue into his conversion. His story of who he used to be, how God gave him this transformational experience in his life and that evolved him into, that catapulted is a better word, him into who he is today. And it is through this story or it is through Paul's stories about his suffering that he has endured for the sake of the gospel, that, that it ain't been easy street, that, that this has not been a sexy endeavor or a profession for me, but, but I have been twice beaten with rods a few times I have received the 40 lashes minus one lash from the Jews. That, that whipping that Jesus gets before crucifixion. Paul is like, I got that a few times for preaching. He says, once I was stoned and left for dead. They thought I was dead and then they dragged me out of town and just, I just happened to just wake up and go on about my life. But Paul tells his story about his suffering and his transformation into Christianity, his health challenges as he is out preaching the gospel, his constant imprisonment for preaching the gospel. He uses these things as his personal testimony to encourage and help other people. Let me say to you that that is the final, one of the final ways that we receive cultivation in the church. It's through each other's stories. And let me say that is why it is important for us not to just assemble ourselves together on Sunday and face forward and hear something, hear some music, hear some preaching and then go home. But that is why is it important. It is important for us to build relationships with each other because we get built up through each other's testimonies. <laughs> each other's stories. And, and, and all of the stories are not stories about, let me tell you about how I used to be before I found Jesus. Some of them are just stories about how I have made it through the last week by the grace of God. Sometimes I need to be made visible by knowing that your struggles look like my struggles and I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one uh, lonely during COVID. I'm not the only one that that is in the house with the spouse yet it feels like we have grown distant because of COVID. I am not the only one that is challenged with raising children during COVID. I-, I am not the only one looking to quit my job during COVID. I am not the only one grieving the loss of a family member. I am not the only one struggling to balance motherhood and career at the same time. I, I am not The only one trying to show up well as a dad and a husband and a father and a son and a friend. It is through each other's stories that we become visible, that we recognize that ours is not the only struggle. But then we begin to learn tools to help us get through the struggle. Sometimes a personal story that we receive is just a good crockpot recipe. That's a game changer to help get the family through the next couple of weeks. Sometimes the story is about how things got better at my job just when they were at the breaking point, and I decided to stick it out just a little bit longer. Or these are the prayers that I put in place in the morning before going into work, before sitting on another Zoom conference call. And something about praying these prayers or spending time with God Help my day go a little bit better. It is through each other's stories that we end up getting, getting cultivated. And so I close by just simply saying that I do believe the church is still relevant. I believe that what we do in these institutions, them serving as places where we can get built up by the word of God, corrected through the word of God and by each other and bolstered by the stories or the testimonies of other people. That that is a valuable role that these institutions play. Uh.